the Run, Eat, Repeat podcast. If you love running or eating, you'll love this show. Now, here's your host, Monica Olivas. Hi, this is Monica from Run, Eat, Repeat, a website I started to talk about running, eating, and document how many times a year I fall. I average about three, but I will let you know at the end of the year what the score is. I am very excited for today's episode because I am talking with a Bravo star, holistic health coach, yoga instructor, author, and just overall inspiration, Julie Montague. I started to follow Julie on Instagram after seeing the show Ladies of London, and it was a reality show on Bravo that I'm pretty sure has been canceled that brought together a handful of American women and a handful of European women that were living in London. And Julie is married to a British royal. And for someone born and raised in the USA, it just seems like such a fairy tale story. But she has so much to offer on top of that. Like I said, she's a holistic health coach. I have a one of her cookbooks, Superfood Super Fast, that I've had for a really long time. And she just came out with a book in January about self-care. It's called Recharge, A Year of Self-Care. And I am going to pick her brain about all things self-care because I think the phrase doesn't really tell us much about what does that mean? And since it's different from everyone, where do I even start? She has written a step-by-step guide to how to kind of start making that a priority in your life. But before we get to that, let's warm up. First, I finally have the super easy sheet pan chicken fajitas recipe up on the blog. There's a link to it. Check it out in the show notes. The recipe is really easier than I made the blog post, basically, because I've been talking about it for the longest time, and it is the easiest recipe. I posted how to do it, too, on my Instagram, so you can check it out there, but it's kind of ridiculous that I've been talking about it for so long. Just wanted to give everyone the heads up that it is there for the tasting. And I have a lot going on this week. There is the ShiftCon conference and Surf City Half Marathon and Full Marathon I think I'm just going to do the half this year. I did the full last year. I will come back and talk about those things very soon. But I wanted to use the warm up time today to answer a listener question. Hey, Monica, loving your podcast, Instagram, everything. So much fun. So I have a beginner's question. I've been running for a while now and attempting to get my husband to start, but he won't because he claims he gets shin splints every single time. How can he avoid this? tips, suggestions? Do they go away over time or is this something he really can avoid in some secret way neither one of us knows about? Thanks, Bunges. Okay, first, I really appreciate your kind words. It means a ton to me. It is a huge part of why I do this. So thank you for saying that. I I really, really, it really makes me happy. Okay, in answer to your question, first, I would never suggest that you go into anything thinking or hoping that it's going to go away over time, especially if he doesn't have them now. So the most important thing is to try and prevent any sort of injury, right? And it means starting off slow and being smart about things. If you are not running right now at all, are you walking? I would start off with walking, I would suggest this for anyone. This is how I started running. Because if your body isn't used to moving and you are trying to move it at a level five when maybe you could have started at a three, then 
that's going to make it harder on your joints, on your body, on an area that might already be very injury prone. So my first suggestion is to consider starting off with walking if he is not active right now. Also, I would look into making sure that you have the right gear. Are you wearing the right shoes? I would go to a running shoe store and get fitted, properly fitted, and get the right stability and the right arch support for your body, your needs, your feet. Let them check out your arches. Let them check out your running form. If it is a store that has a treadmill or some sort of situation where they can actually watch how your feet are hitting the ground, your gait, that would be an added bonus for sure. I would also say that when you do start running, you start off with walking and or a great warm up. I have heard that warming up, making sure that your legs and calves, basically all of your lower leg, but it's kind of hard how you're just going to warm up that part, uh, are nice and warm before you start running. And that can help prevent shin splints. So maybe doing walking for 10 minutes, stretching, and then starting to run might help prevent that, might make sure that you are nice and warmed up if your body tends to kind of act out if it's not warm and it, and you're putting stress on it. So doing a good warm up is going to help kind of prevent that. Anytime it hurts, stop. If it aches a little bit, you want to ice it and baby it and be very proactive. If it falls off, you want to glue it back on. If it turns purple, you want to call the news media and get that on TV for sure. But I would say make sure that you're very proactive about the warm up and the recovery parts of it and start off slow. Like really listen to your body. If you know that you tend to have an injury anywhere or a part of your body's gets tweaked very easy or gets tired or sore, be aware of that and just be mindful of it and write your own workouts or training plan around that weakness so that it doesn't become an injury. And I hope that's helpful. There are a ton of different sources of information and theories. No one has a very specific, this is how you avoid this injury. This is how you cure it. This is what you do now because everyone's body is different, right? So I have links in the show notes to a good Runner's World article all about shin splints. There is um, a Mayo Clinic info on that. It's just good to know the mechanics of why could this potentially be hurting? So you understand your body, obviously, but there are sometimes different reasons why a certain area hurts different people. So you want to figure out kind of why do I tend to get this injury? And you got to look into the science of it and obviously have a great relationship with your doctor so that they can help you on that as well. But like I said, there will be links in the show notes to anything um, beyond kind of just the basics of what I said in terms of starting out slow, making sure that you're warmed up, that you have the right shoes on, considering icing if anything aches, also maybe looking into compression socks. Those might be helpful to him, but good luck and I hope that helps. Now, I am super excited to bring you this interview with Julie Montague all about self-care. She just came out with a new book called Recharge, 
a year of self-care to focus on you. And this book has been called a month by month self-care Bible. She really hits all the bases. She talks about everything from making a vision board to breathing exercises. And I think sometimes as distance runners, or if there's any sort of workout that you really enjoy doing and you spend a lot of time doing, we can sometimes think that's my self-care, right? I run a lot and I either don't have time or don't feel really justified doing any extra self-care. So I'm asking Julie, how much time do we really need to put into self-care? Do our workouts count as self-care? Just trying to navigate that I think is very important. And so she kind of gives very realistic and reasonable advice for this because she's very busy herself. And I already have, um, she wrote a cookbook a while back called Superfood Superfast. Really love that book. I just think it's very consistent in that she has very awesome advice, but it's also realistic. And it is from a very busy working mom who wants to be healthy and have some balance and kind of leads by example. So I really appreciate that about her. I am picking her brain about all things self-care and healthy living. And I try not to fangirl over the Bravo Ladies of London thing, thankfully. So I'm just thanking myself for that. So I don't make a fool of myself. But if you want a copy of the book, Recharge, or like I said, that other Superfoods book is super awesome. I will put links in the show notes. They're both available on Amazon. But let's talk to Julie about self-care. I think we're getting a little bit away from very dramatic New Year's resolutions, but want to still do some sort of, you know, improvement and being more attentive. So I love the idea of recharge. And I wasn't sure because it says it's like a year of self-care, right? Is that something that people have to start in the beginning of the year or how exactly does that work? No, it basically recharge was set up as, as it says, a year of self-care, but you can pick it up anytime throughout the year. I mean, obviously we, we had it published here in the UK in January because because it is the new year, but people can pick it up anytime. And really in the book, it explains that it's kind of your month by month Bible. And so what we didn't want to do was sort of like this six week fix of self care or, you know what I mean? Or Mm -hmm. you're going to start taking care of yourself in two weeks time because my 14th day, you know, we, so we really looked at it and we didn't want to be one of those books that it's like, you know, quick fix. And it really does because it wasn't a quick fix for me, obviously. And it's, and it's always ongoing self care. And so what we tell people is you can use it two ways. You can either use it and just read a chapter a month and then work on kind of the homework because it's part handbook in there and then developing the healthy habits based on, um, that month. Or you can read it all at once because it is an easy read. I mean, it'll take you, you know, less than two days to read it. And then you can, and then you go back and be like, okay, so this month is all about emotional eating and I'm going to set myself up for emotional eating. And then the next month is managing stress. So in February, it's all about managing stress. So it's really, you know, for the reader, they can do whatever um, they'd like with it. But the whole point is that it's, you really are focusing on self-care for the whole year, not just for the month of January. And how much, because you're saying there's homework and different kind of focuses, how much time does someone have to spend a day or a week, or I guess in general, when you're trying to work on self-care, like what is ideal time to set aside for something like that? 
you know, it's the homework in there is it's like pondering questions. So I ask the reader actually quite a lot of questions and then so that that they begin to sort of do a little bit of self-discovery based on the theme. So even when you get into, I think it's month eight, I'm not sure, don't, I don't have it in front of me, but about creating, finding, building and believing in your passions, I have the reader really ask, um, look deep as what did you like when you were a child? What, what, what did you do? Were, were you drawing as a child? You know, like I have memories of me always trying to draw and, and be really very artistic. And so reminds you of kind of like what you used to love and maybe how that can be a passion. And so with self care, what we've done is, is if I just go back to, um, uh, each chapter of each month, what I say is I have people try to break the bad habit. So in particular, emotional eating and give them tips and advice to that. And then each month you're incorporating two new healthy habits based around that theme. So in, in, for example, the month of your, where you're building your passions, one of the things to do is to vision board. And I give you all the sort of instructions on how to vision board, but then you're hanging your vision board, you know, on your refrigerator or in your room, or I even framed mine so that your habit is to look at that vision board every single day to remind yourself that you are passionate, all of that stuff. So it's very easy for the reader. It's nothing difficult because self-care, really, it's it's not that difficult. We just have to find the time to do it. And I think that's what I wanted to get across in the book is when you do find the time to take care of yourself, you'll be better equipped to take care of, you know, your spouse, your children, your friends, your coworkers, et cetera. I think um, a lot of times self-care, the excuse for not doing it is time. So I like that you can kind of squeeze it in. We sometimes as runners, I think, or people, if you are trying to be active, you say that whatever workout you did was your self-care for the day, you know, like, cause you spent some time on yourself. Is this going a step beyond that more? And it- yeah, it definitely, it's funny. Cause it definitely is because obviously I do yoga every single day. And like you with your running I, yoga, is is my form of self-care and and I talk a little bit about yoga in the book about some self-care yoga poses but obviously I know that the people reading the book a lot of them aren't going to be you know yogis it's not it's for everybody and so what I try to do is go beyond that of yes we all have our exercise regimes probably in place but there's other things that you can be doing that don't a they don't cost any money and they don't require a lot of time. So for example, one of the thing, one of the, um, examples I give is a breathing exercise. And it's just for a minute, like just do a minute of it. And it starts to, just by breathing for your body, it starts to release the cortisol that's built up in your bloodstream. And studies have shown that over and over again, you breathe for your body for a minute and you'll start to release the cortisol that's been building up in your bloodstream. And remember we have an excess of cortisol, we'll store fat, we'll get inflammation, things like that. So I try to make it very easy for the reader to incorporate these sort of small moments of self-care. I like that. I notice when I'm stressed, I my breath is very like shallow and I won't realize it until I've been stressed for a while and I'm like, "Whoa, I have not I have not taken a deep breath. Like I have not just kind of stopped and checked in with myself for a while." So I like that. 
Yeah. Love it. And since you mentioned yoga, I did want to ask how you got started with yoga, because once you're as advanced as you are, it's super intimidating, I feel. And like, where, where does someone even start if they just kind of know what yoga is, but have never went to a class or done it themselves? Yeah, it's, I get with the whole, listen, I'm still even intimidated by yoga. (laughs) So, um, you know, but, but that's the great thing because it's almost like every time I step on the mat, there's a part of me that is facing my fear because I'm like, okay, I'm going to try this pose or I'm going to try this pose or whatever. So you're always, for me, yoga is always, um, you know, trying to reach another goal or move into deeper into a pose. But I think the message really with yoga is letting everybody know that everybody can do yoga and it's what you see on Instagram or in social media, these people doing all these crazy poses, you know, most, a lot of times those people who are doing those crazy poses do have a gymnast background. You've, you know, there's been this real movement of ex gymnasts now moving into yoga because yoga, there is a similarity, similarity to gymnastics. But what I try to tell people is you do not have to have a background of a gymnast. I certainly never did gymnastics and it's the feeling that you get. So when I mentioned in my book, I, I think I mentioned four or five yoga poses and they're ones that everybody can do. And for me, those are the poses that give me the most benefit. So for example, a forward fold, like it's my favorite pose in the whole wide world because I get blood flow to my head. I get a stretch in my hamstrings. I feel my vertebra, you know, space is being created. But in particular, I get this blood flow to my head and I just absolutely love it. So I try to tell people, don't be intimidated by yoga. Just look at how it makes you feel. And, you know, those are the poses you should be starting out with those simple, easy, wonderful and feel good poses. Yeah. And it, I mean, I think because sometimes too, we picture yoga as being very exactly what you said, these people that are very flexible with one leg up, and it's just very, very intimidating. But something like a forward fold is awesome, especially because I think a lot of um, runners get a lot of tightness in their lower back. A lot of people ask me about that, you know, and it's just like a forward fold, ragdoll, something. It could be simple, you know. Oh my gosh. I mean, for me, forward folds just like does it all. I, I think I wrote that in the book. It's like, <laughs> just do a forward fold before you run, after you run, before you walk, after you walk, walk, when you're stressed out, when you've, you know, you're feeling sort of low in, in, um, sort of mood level. The forward fold for me is like the bomb. I love it. And so what is a typical kind of week of exercise for you? You said you do yoga every day. Yeah, I, I apart from Sunday, although I teach yoga, I so so I but I do do yoga every day. I I'm you know I guess I'm slightly addicted to it in the sense I I like it so much, but it's not even about the poses. I know what I feel like afterwards, so I'm addicted to that feeling after my yoga practice, I'm not going to lie, like getting on the mat every single day, like tonight I'm going to a seven 30 class, my time. And right now, as I'm talking about it, I'm like, Oh yeah, you know what? I could just stay home and blah, 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 whatever. But 
I'm so addicted to the feeling that yoga gives me when I finish that class that that is what gets me on my mat every single day, apart from Sundays. I have a day off on Sundays, mm-hmm. but I do do it. I mean, I, it's rare that I miss it, and but I go to a class. So people always ask me if I do a self-practice and it's not, I am incredibly motivated, but when it comes to doing my own self-practice, I'm like, I want the energy in the room. I want the teacher coming over and giving me adjustments. You know, I want to be able to sit, to lie down in Shavasana and have four minutes of wonderful music or gonging being played. (laughs) So, so I go to the class. I was going to ask you that too, because I kind of assumed that you just did your own thing. Like you had a special little corner where you kind of did your own practice. That's interesting. No, isn't that funny? I know everybody thinks that. And I just, there's no special corner anywhere in my house. (laughs) I love it. And I wanted to know if there's anywhere, because I've seen some awesome pictures of you doing very impressive yoga poses in gorgeous places. Where's the most kind of beautiful or just awesome place that you've done yoga? Um, I mean, definitely. I I like shooting my yoga poses. I'm not going to lie down at Mapperton, which is the, my husband's sort of family's um, sort of estate that they've had for a long time. You know, it goes way back um, to basically much older than the United States of America, <laughs> which is, <laughs> Very strange for me, but it's so beautiful. And it's one of, um, you know, that house is considered, it's called Mapperton and it's considered the England's finest manor house and the top 10 gardens, um, in the country. And so I, that is my special place. I, I, it's like I go there. I'm like, Oh, look at this step or look at this doorway, you know, that I haven't noticed yet. I'm always finding new places. So that's definitely where I like to shoot. It's really pretty. It's funny that you say that, that it's so old because um, I I live in Lake Forest in Orange County and there are on the benches and the parks and things, it says like established in 1991. Like that's when the city was established. And I'm like, right, right. man, oh. we have no idea. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. It's so funny. Yeah. And I, every time I sit in a chair, I'll be like one of the chairs, um, dates back obviously to Charles II. So when the Earl of Sandwich, which is my husband's ancestor, brought back Charles II from exile and then, you know, he became king, but he was on his ship back from Holland to England. And um, there's the chair. So that's the chair that the, um, it's beautifully carved and amazing. Um, And I'm like, oh my gosh, that date back to the 1600s. How crazy is that? I know. It is so awesome. I love that. Even because being everything here is so new, you know, around where I live that going even to like Boston or somewhere, I always I'm like, wow, this is amazing history. And it is so beyond that where you're talking about. It's very, very interesting. Yeah, no, 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 definitely. (laughs) I love it. Now, how does um, I actually have your book, the superfood super fast. Um, yeah. down for anything that is like quick and easy, but also healthy. How does food or nutrition play into your balance? Um, you, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's quite huge. I mean, people ask me though all the time if I'm vegan and, and the answer is I write vegan cookbooks. Cause I'd say that makes up 98% of my diet. And so that's why I cook that way. 
but I do eat, I don't eat meat. I haven't eaten meat for a decade, if not more, but I will eat the occasional fish as long as I know it's sustainably sourced and usually it's plunked just from the sea. And so I, I do eat a little bit of fish, um, just because it helps with B12 and stuff. But, but, um, I, it, it plays a huge part. I mean, for me, I've got four kids and yes, they're a little bit older now. So life has become a lot easier, but even when they were younger, I just needed to have a lot of energy. And I found the way to fuel myself was through my food. And again, I get addicted to that feeling of, of the way I feel after I eat, you know, eat well for my body, as opposed to the way I felt when I wasn't eating well. And so I'm, I don't want to feel that way. And I just know that. So I'm like, why would I eat that? Because I know that that makes me feel yuck and lethargic and moody. So I want I always want to eat, um, you know, really well, because it makes me feel good. I love that you said that too. And the same thing with yoga, because I think sometimes when we try to take up something new, we want to know if we're getting results. So we're weighing ourselves or, you know, checking something specific and not paying attention to most importantly, do you feel good? You know, because if that's if that is changing, then keep doing it. And don't be so obsessed with if there's a some other, you know, scale or other measure that you're trying to keep track of. Exactly. That's exactly right. It's about feeling good. You know, that's my whole sort of ethos. Do what makes you feel like remember the feeling afterwards. And and then that should get you, you know, to continue on doing that, whatever that is. Do your um, kids eat mainly vegetarian? Do you cook for your family that way as well? Yeah. So yeah, 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 definitely. So my husband's down at Mapperton during the week. So during, so I'm up in London with the kids during the week and it's always vegetarian. So they're always vegetarian during the week. And then my youngest, who's 11, he's been vegetarian, like proper vegetarian for two years now. So he doesn't eat meat at all. So, um, and then on the weekends when my husband comes back, he usually then cooks for the kids and and but he does mostly fish i have to be honest he's really gone off um a lot of meat as well so but they but during the week they are definitely all vegetarian and they're just used to it they don't even they don't even ask i like that well i like i think i had read somewhere that you are big on leading by example not necessarily being like you should do this but you know kind of being a healthy example and if they're following then it seems like a yeah. smooth little Exactly. So that's kind of my, you know, my big thing is just don't shove it down their face or they'll probably rebel. Um, and you just, they'll watch you and they start, I promise, you know, they start asking questions and then you, and that's the way to educate them. Let them ask the questions. They will ask the questions because they'll see you going to yoga or coming back in a really good mood after doing yoga and, you know, and then, you know, feeling very energized after eating, you know, a certain meal. So do you, though, because I think sometimes people assume when you are writing these super healthy cookbooks and sharing recipes, do you have treats? Like, how do you incorporate something that's indulgent into your diet? Yeah, I do. You mean as far as do I do I ever go off the rocker and (laughs) eat? Not what you know, I have I have rules. I have uh, so I have rules with coffee. So I'm allowed to have um, coffee when I'm on vacation somewhere. Um, so Italy is a perfect example. Like, you know, they have really good coffee. <laughs> so 
I treat myself to that. Um, and I'd say, you know, I don't drink very much because my husband doesn't drink and, and he stopped drinking 10 years ago. And, um, because he was sick. So he just stopped that and he's never, he's never really gone back on it again. And so I, so that kind of, but for me, it sounds weird, but a treat will be like, Oh, I'll just have a, I really like the taste too. I'll have a beer. So I don't drink wine because I think it's too sugary and it doesn't make me feel good. So again, I, I will have these, these treats, like a beer for me is a treat and I like the taste, you know, a coffee for me is a treat. I like the taste, but I know that over consuming coffee and having a beer all of the time isn't necessarily going to be very, very good for me. So, um, all of the time. So I think you can find things and you just know that it's your treat and you set those boundaries. Thank you so much, Julie. I really appreciated it. Now I will put links in the show notes to Julie's website, how to get her book, her Instagram feed, which is gorgeous. And she also has a wellness website called Truly Julie that's focused on the self-care, the community that she mentioned that you can check out in the show notes as well. Now let's get to the awards. First place today goes to my latest favorite running song, Echame la Cupa, from Luis Fonsi and Demi Lovato, their collaboration. Super cute, super fun. I'm digging it. Link in the show notes if you want to listen. Number two is No Show Socks. Yes, I know, No Show Socks, they're not a new thing. But I have finally found super, super low cut. You cannot see them, but they also don't get eaten by your shoe. Low socks. And I'm loving them because I used to only be able to wear them with, you know, like Toms or ballet slippers. These I can wear with running shoes or workout shoes or tennis shoes, whatever you call them in your neck of the woods. No show socks. I'm digging them. Another link in the show notes. Boom. And third place goes to oranges. I'm really digging oranges right now. I don't know why. Maybe it's the vitamin C. Maybe it's that they're in season, but I cannot get enough oranges. Link in the show notes. If you've never seen an orange before, not really. Get it together. Okay. If you have a question for me, feel free to email runitrepeat at gmail.com or you can call the RER voicemail line. I really appreciate you listening and tag me on Instagram at running repeat and let me know what you're doing while listening. Uh, People have started to do this and I find it super interesting and fun. So I really love it when you're listening, just do a screenshot, tag me or do a selfie and just let me know what are you doing while we're hanging out right now? Cause I kind of feel like we're hanging out. Anyways, I hope this episode has been fun and or helpful. I really appreciate you listening. Have a great run. Thank you for listening to the Run, Eat, Repeat podcast. For more information, check out runeatrepeat.com.